This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 8, Episode 38. I'm John DiCarlo. Kyle Gauss is with me. Javon Edmonds, not with us this week. He's back home in Baltimore. Uh, attending to uh, a family illness down there. We love him. We miss him. We're thinking of you, buddy. With Javon not here, he mentioned last week, he let off last week's show by saying the children are wondering when they're going to get their spot. Declan, oh my goodness. Um, when they're going to get their spot on the scoop. Now, Caden, Caden Steele, of course, is with us again. And in Javon Edmonds's absence, Ramir Vaughn, Declan Landis, and Johnny Zwizlak, you have seen their bylines at alscoop.com now they're joining us on the scoop kyle before we started recording you said they look like a boy band joining us on zoom and here they are what's up now guys? I, think How I, you doing? now I think i'm going with the minor league call-ups theme is one yeah thing. Oh, but this isn't triple a oh, like so we which, this which this league? is not this is not a guy that was on the 40-man roster this is oh, we had to make some moves to bring up somebody from from advanced a oh. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna get there I'm hitting at least 30 home runs in advanced stack easily. No chance. No oh, chance. Easily. No easily. Chance. I can rake. You can rake? Uh, yeah, 100%. I, never I think we've all seen your we've all seen your baseball ability <laughs> with everybody no, no, here. No. No, everybody you seen the best of it yet. Have you done what what's the thing you do, John? That one time with Grant. Graham. Clown ball? Oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah. I did clown ball. Yeah. Well, he he did. I did. Yeah. Graham Foley, former uh, yeah, Temple graduate, former Al Scoop staffer, who's now doing social for what? What? Which betting network? Uh, it's Fandle. It it's Fandle. It yeah. Fandle. Yeah. So yeah, we played clown ball. Speaking of baseball, so Johnny Zwizlak, in addition to doing AlScoop.com, the Temple News, WHIP. Johnny, why don't you fill everybody in on what you've also Temple. been busy with? Uh, yeah, I actually just started up this season as the Phillies visiting clubhouse bat boy. So uh, for the Reds and Marlins series, I got to be in the dugout and in the clubhouse and was, you know, grabbing their bats. And um, I was also on local television for dropping a thumb guard. Uh, John yeah. Crock and Tom McCarthy were making fun of me because they had to restart the pitch clock because I had to run back and get it. How how does it feel to be part of history in this 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 era of the pitch clock and like they you look up and they restart the pitch clock because of you uh, like talk to me did were you <laughs> numb to it was there anxiety were you just were you just focused tell me how you felt at that time so it's it's very funny because I didn't know like I knew I knew they had to restart the pitch clock but I didn't know like I was on television till after the game because I don't, I'm not allowed to have my phone on me it's a new uh, MLB rule that. Any clubhouse members can't have their phone in the dugout. Mm, wonder why that is. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did Kyle say? You said I, I wonder why that is. Oh yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Imagine that. Um. So, but after the game, my phone was blowing up. I, these guys were talking about it because I was being talked about on Twitter. Oh. But I think during during the game, it's it's very difficult, especially for the like if you if you go to a game and you watch me and you watch the home bat boy, I have to do so much more running than the home bat boy. Because I have to run across the field, around around behind home plate, and then run all the way back to first base before the twenty seconds is up. But are so, you not heroes wear capes? Yeah. <laughs> are you not We're equipped to do that uniforms. already, Johnny? As a former cross country star? No, I, I, I see. I actually, I feel like I've done a pretty good job. It's just 
the when I when I run out there, the players like throw their pads at me. They don't like hand it to me all nice. So like when they throw their stuff at me, like it's all jumbled up into a ball. And the thumb guards, I don't know if you guys have seen them. They're like really small and you can't even notice them. And I didn't notice that he even handed me one. And then when I was running back, Garrett Stubbs was like, hey, you dropped that. You dropped that thumb guard. So I had to turn around and grab it. And and that's when the camera was pointed on me when I turned around because John Crook was already talking about me saying, oh, look, look at the bat boy run. He's running real fast. And then I had to turn around. And that's where he that's when the camera went on. It was it was a very unfortunate sequence. Johnny, was that a shot at Adam Crignally? You know, the the whole whole Crook or not Crook. Tom McCarthy called it called him Adam, right? I think on the thing, I think I think he called you Adam because he was he didn't realize that there were different <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, we have two Temple oh. grads, Adam yes, Pernally. Two temple, yes, two Temple, yeah. yes. But no, yeah. it was not a shot at Adam. It was more a shot at the placement of the visiting dugout. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm just saying. Do you no, think? It's more, it's, <laughs> it's more a shot at the, the pitch clock. I don't like how I have to, like, run as fast as I can for the pitch clock. And look, that- a lot of things that come out of baseball changes, you know, the offense is up, numbers are down, the amount of beers you can drink is down. But this is this is the most important thing. Oh, 100%. The amount that, the amount that you <laughs> have to it's run. Not, it's not getting enough coverage. No one's talking <laughs> about it. And I, I think that's something that's going under the radar. Yeah. Rymir, how did you feel when you saw your protege on TV? I mean, were you proud of him? Did you cringe? Were you just like this is all part of the growth process? What were you feeling when you saw this? I mean, the first time I saw it, I was like, ain't no way Johnny made local television. <laughs> um, and he definitely made local television. It was funny at first. Like when I was seeing it, I was dying laughing. Like I was rolled over, tears in my eyes, laughing at the fact that Johnny was on TV. But Mir, tell him what you did that night. What did you do that night for Johnny? You went and oh, picked him up. We, I went and picked him up that night. He had a rough night, and we went and got cookies. So that's right. We were there for him in his lowest moment. We were there for him, and that's that's the owl scoop camaraderie right there. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel like I jinxed you, Johnny, by saying that you'd be a not top ten for Sports Center. <laughs> yes. He he said that I was going to make not top ten like right before I started. It was like that week, and then of course I was on local television for messing. <laughs> well, but today is is an opportunity for a fresh start for you. You know, oh, this is, this I, t- is, I take every day as an opportunity for a fresh start. Well, that. That's, that just sounds like that was that's, so corny. That's, like that was youth, out of a that's the optimism of youth before life's <laughs> beating it out of you. Yeah, Kyle will. Kyle will. Kyle's going to set you guys straight, and he's going to beat it out of you, and then he'll. You just have like, like three opportunities a year to change things around. I would say not every day. That's it. Like, <laughs> every four I mean, months, an opportunity. That attitude. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> what a call out. Anyway. We got a lot to get to today. We got so this is a, a little... temple podcast. What's... In case we've forgotten, yes, I know. Temple Sports <laughs> Podcast. Temple. A little, you know, little light dialogue. Get everybody warmed up here. We got uh, a little bit of a wrap up of whatever we can reasonably take from the cherry and white game uh, of pre full mailbag. Some basketball updates for you as well. This is uh, Ramir, Declan, Johnny. Your first crack at the sort of fun. Uh, famous numbers. So this is uh, episode 38, famous number 38. So what, jump, what jumps out to you guys? Well, in my research, I found uh, your research and Googling research. I mean, no, I knew it sounded like you were going through, head, uh, but like, I wanted like, to make sure I wanted to, you know, I, I, this, I knew this number. You it's know, your favorite I, player. It's your favorite player. <laughs> favorite player. No, he's definitely not my favorite player, but uh, Pavel Dimitra, uh, rest in peace. Uh, he, he passed away, but, he was a, a really good player for the Kings for a while in the NHL. So there you, you go. go. The famous number 38. How honest do you want me to, to be here? I 
could not have told you anything about him. Yeah, that's that's okay. Um, I mean, he, God, God, he had a God really bless good career, his soul. Though. He had a really yeah. good career. What's some of the stats? What do you do? What's your? Uh, he won uh, a world championship in two thousand three. There you go. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Declan couldn't tell you anything about him. It's that's like, not oh, true. That's not true. <laughs> no, I knew him the whole time. What other thirty eights? Deshaun Goldston, when he played with the Niners, is one that stands out. Traymond Williams, the cornerback from the Packers. I'm just thinking football. Thirty eight's a weird number. I feel like a Flyers player has worn it. Just can't remember who uh, it is. Let me let me give you hints. Douchebag, but good pitcher. Oh. His name's literally it. in the script, guys. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know it. Oh. Can I say? I, yeah. That's, I don't yeah. want to tell you, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. You no, know, I already I, named I was, a, I was gonna a go with thirty eight. I was gonna go with a different thirty eight pitcher than the one. Kyle's talking about. Go ahead. Maybe that guy's a douchebag. Well, I, I was gonna say Kyle Kendrick. No, I don't know. No. Uh Kurt Schilling. The Phillies in the World Series hit a home run. No, I know who Kirk, I know who Kyle Kendrick oh, is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm saying I don't know. I don't know if he's a douchebag. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For all we know, Kyle Kendrick could be solidly earth human being. Yeah, maybe. Probably not. Um Kwame Brown for one stretch, apparently according yes. to my quick Googling. With the Pistons. Yes. Yep. How you know that? Yeah. I knew that off the top of my head. Definitely not my Google. Yeah, definitely not <laughs> Googling it as we speak. Uh, yeah, 38 is a weird number. Yeah. Anybody else, Caden? Any yeah. any other former Eagles? I got one. You got one? Go. Cecil yeah, Martin? Eagles, Eagles fans will love him. Um, Who? Orlando Scandrick. Oh, my God. Oh, God. But like, what, three games? Three they games. Got there you go. That guy. And then chirped go, about that three-game stretch for two yeah. years. Yeah. Cecil Martin. Do you remember Cecil Martin, Kyle? Fullback? Yeah. I think he uh-huh. wore number 38, right? Uh, that I don't, I don't recall the number, but... I For the purposes Ooh, of this podcast, yes. Uh, Big Z, Carlos Zambrano. Oh, yeah. He was around for a while. Actually, a lot of, like, Phillies... Oh, we're going to get murdered. A lot of Phillies that, like, uh, high-profile Phillies wore 38 once they left Philadelphia. Steve Carlton, Robin Roberts. Really? Yeah, I did I not know that. that. Wait, Steve Carlton was with the. Did he start with, with the, the Phillies? Did he, go the, did he go Cardinals, he, Phillies, and Twins? He went Cardinals, Phillies, Giants, White Sox, Indians, Twins, and he wore a thirty-eight with the Twins. Wow. Hmm. I was ne- I was not alive. No, when he pitched. Me neither. I was alive for some of when he pitched. What was I? I don't know. Caden was alive, like in the ether. Like the soul of Caden was out there. Yes. There, you go, Caden. Caden. there you go. What year Just did he retire? 88. 88. Yeah, you were definitely out there. Yeah. Point. 12 years before I existed, but for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the thought was there. Oh, yeah. I don't know if the thought was there. But... I was 12 in 1988. I should don't be more going, going through some stuff. I was in like sixth middle grade. school, baby. Just like. A little bit of fuzz on your lip, but you think it looks cool. <laughs> your mom has to tell you to shave. We've all been I, there. I never thought it looked cool. <laughs> These guys, I have told them about the, the file that you have, like embarrassing pictures of John. Hayes. I told my 13-year-old uh, nephew on Easter Sunday that he should start juicing. <laughs> gotta get to the league you gotta start he literally young. left easter at one point to go downstairs and start bench pressing like went to my gym started benching and i was like dude if you're gonna do this let's just do this like, <laughs> like, let's, let's lean into it i mean in fairness to Ryder, like he played for a very good downingtown pop Warner sure. team, right sure but like they don't piss tests do what you gotta do man <laughs> i'm sure diane's gonna pop you know any way you can i'm sure That's diane's gonna love this would you? We've always said that, like, if he actually becomes like a, a decent recruit, 
Like if somebody else sell, breaks his... I will sell his recruitment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what if you have to tell him, like, if he says like, does he just, does he call you uncle Kyle? What if he says like, do you think I can play a temple? And he calls me no. a lot of words that can't be said on this podcast, but yes, he also <laughs> calls me uncle Kyle. <laughs> wow. Wow. He's again, 12, 13 years old, full of testosterone and yeah. hormones and piss and vinegar. Yeah. Now, that's anyway. a tough age. Tough age. Yes, tough age. Anyway. All right. Scoop is now, as we've been saying for the last several weeks, happy to have a sponsor. Scoop is now brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. In Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. All right. Cherry and white game. We know that there are maybe a few things that we can take from the cherry and white game. Not a whole lot beyond that, as we've been saying for the last several weeks. The offense is watered down. The defense is watered down. You don't see much in the way of special teams other than some, I mean, some field goal kicking and some punting. But uh, I think all of us were there. Johnny, were you there? I, no, you I did not Phillies. get to get on, unfortunately. That was a there. Phillies game. Could, yeah, he was at the Phillies game chasing down random, random equipment. Um, what guys, what do we think we can reasonably take away from the spring game, knowing and providing the context I just provided? Ramir, I'll, I'll start with you. You wrote our game story for us again. Like some guys flashed. We talked to Stan Drayton afterwards and they got us what six players. What, yeah. what stood out to you again, knowing that it's just the spring and we've still got a lot ahead and a lot of position battles that have still yet to be decided? I equate it to preseason in the yeah. NFL. You don't necessarily watch for what teams do, but you watch for what players do. Yeah, makes sense. And I've seen a lot from line, the linebackers were pretty good, mm -hmm. and the defensive line was pretty good. Now, there has to be context added into why the defensive line was so good. They were missing a lot of – the offensive line was missing a lot of players. They had a lot of new guys, transfers, freshmen, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. But yeah. The D line popped. Mm -hmm. Everyone popped. Jacob Porter, um, in specifically him specifically popped a lot. Mm -hmm. Um Merrick Morris popped. Mm -hmm. Those two really stood out on the defensive line for me. Mm -hmm. Kyle Williams. What do we think of Kyle Williams? At running I think he line? looked uh, sorry. You wanna go? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah. I think he looked really <laughs> <laughs> I wanna get Ramir the floor big time Ramir. No, <laughs> still trying to nail the chemistry. You know? Yeah, try to get it done. But I think Kyle Williams looked really explosive. I mean, who's going to say if he's definitely going to play this year? No one really knows, but he has a true opportunity in that running back room. Because Edward Sadie, all the proof steady last year, I don't think, you know, was definitely a proven three down back that has had a ton of success at this level. I think Darvon Hubbard didn't really pan out next, you know, last season, but he has had a full offseason. Maybe he'll get some more carries, but I think he could be a guy that of all the freshmen coming in, has a really good shot of playing early. And he, I think he brings a different element to what they have because I don't think Sadie has a ton of speed. I don't think Hubbard does. The only guy who had it last year, Trey Blair, is out of the room now. So I think he has an element of speed and quickness that no one else presents. And I think that could get him on the field early, especially with a guy like Jack Coe Smith getting in a little bit later. Maybe he's got the edge because he's been here since January. So, 
We know where Trey Blair's going yet. No. I don't think he's going anywhere. He was a Honestly, I don't think there's been that many commitments at all from kind of the guys that have left. You didn't see yeah. where Jalen Satchel went. Kobe Wilson's still out there. They're all kind of still just lingering. Just just bouncing around in the portal. Just living life, man. Seeing what the world has to offer. Living life. Um EJ, I, I think the, the bigger story with, with EJ Warner was, I mean, he threw a couple touchdowns. He threw a pick that he'd certainly like to have back. But the bigger story with him is like, oh, he's becoming more of a vocal leader. He actually like physically, you could see more muscle definition in his arms, his shoulders, his legs. Uh, one of the guys that uh, when Stan Drayton was asked about, you know, who stood out um, and Stan Drayton, keep in mind, is a guy for context. He's coached at Ohio State. He's coached at Texas. He's done a, a stint in the NFL. So he knows what talent looks like. And we're going to play a clip for you here. And just, you know, not position specific. He was asked who stood out to you uh, this spring. And the first name he brought up was Jordan Smith at tight end, which will kind of segue us in a couple minutes into the, the tight end depth was another thing that came up. So this is Stan Drayton talking about the strides that Jordan Smith made this spring. What do you think, EJ? It's been quite a few guys made some big jumps, huh? I mean, you know, uh, I'll tell you a guy who really sticks out and, you know, I, you know, unfortunately he, he has a little bit of a setback with the injury, but uh, Jordan Smith was a guy who I thought made tremendous gains, not only on the field, but off the field. I mean, a guy who just completely changed his habits and completely changed his routine and, and completely got aligned with you know, his personal goals and our team goals. And, you know, it's unfortunate to see him go down with a little bit of a setback. And again, he's going to be fine, you know. But I, I would have to say that he made um, probably the most substantial gains over time in the spring. All right, so a tight end. Yeah, I mean, again, we're not going to try to overreact here, but it looks like they might actually have some some depth to that position. Now, granted, they got to throw to these guys, but it seems like they will it seems like Danny Langsdorf has been committed to throw into these guys uh what'd you guys see from that position group on Saturday I think that position group looked really solid I think you saw what you expect out of David Martin Robinson he's been really good over the last few years obviously hasn't been able to stay healthy but I think when he's on the field he's pretty effective and he's a good target for EJ I think Reese Clark is pretty athletic for this mm -hmm. position he was a wide receiver coming out of St. Joe's prep so he's, I guess he's made that transition over the last year and I thought he looked pretty solid, got open a few times. And I think Landon Morris showed some athleticism. And there's a reason Utah recruited him. And I think he's a guy that, you know, really impressed me as well on Saturday. So I think you have three guys right there. And then you mentioned Jordan Smith being there. And then you have a guy like James Delapesca, even though he doesn't really, you know, do much as a receiver. He was out there and he does some of that dirty blocking. So it seems like you got five guys that, you know, you have different options, different skill sets with. So, and Jordan Smith's another former wide receiver. So they got a lot of athleticism in that room. Landon oh. is all but he's all but certain he's probably going to sit right. Correct, because he's already transferred once from Syracuse to Utah, yeah. and the NCAA has kind of come out and said like, barring something absolutely like, ridiculous or extraordinary, like we're not going to get double waivers. Yeah, Ramir, what do you think of the tight ends? Um, I thought the tight end group looked really good. Like every single person from the room did something, whether it was, um, DMR being consistent or Reese Clark Reese Clark is somebody who really surprised me because I think he now he may not get any snaps next season he probably doesn't get any snaps next season but when it's time for him I can see them opening up the playbook a lot and you can start seeing things like 
tight end jet sweeps or yeah they did i hadn't seen that granted again for context we don't see spring ball we don't see spring practice we were they, we didn't even what well, i guess it was open for like first 15 minutes of b-roll but yeah they I, that was one of the first few plays of the game right it was like a tight end jet uh -huh. sweep to him and i was like whoa i didn't know he was that fast yeah he looked very explosive and that's not something that you necessarily see from the tight end position especially the guys that they have on the roster now he brings a different element we probably won't see it this year, mm -hmm. but next year and in coming years, I think they'll really have a player with him that they can do a lot of different things with. Mm -hmm. What's going to be interesting with him is he's listed at 220 right now, which means he's probably like 212, which yeah. means he needs to put on a lot more weight before he sees the field, which means how do you do that without kind of losing that dynamic, that speed aspect that he has now? But I agree. It, it probably won't be this year because you have DMR. You have hopefully Jordan Smith if he comes back from that injury. Um, but then after that, it's like, that's the reason Landon Morris transferred here is because he knows that like starting in 2024, there's going to be a crap ton of tight end snaps available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have a lot of, a lot of spring ball content up on the website again, spring balls over, but, uh, we have Max Dinenberg's story on EJ Warner up on the site, uh, Declan story on Jordan McGee, um, Declan story on DMR. Again, you can go back and, uh, and take a look at Ramirez recap of uh of the spring game and again if you're looking for uh some football recruiting updates as well we've got some names on the football board that you guys will see some priorities from the 2024 class uh if you're an alscoop.com subscriber you can check that stuff out uh also if you're an alscoop.com subscriber uh you'll see by the time this podcast is out had the chance to catch up with tyler Matakavich, bill's linebacker and uh I feel like it sounds cliche to say special teams ace. Every good special teams player is described as a special teams ace, but he's really been good on special I think, teams. I think you can say that when like you solely play special teams. Like yeah. He's carved out like an eight-year career just playing special teams. Yeah. So he has just, ace like qualities. Yeah. It's like the yeah. Phillies. They have they, they're not quite aces, but they have ace like pitchers. Kyle's just <laughs> Kyle, a Braves fan, is just looking to, to Wheeler is an ace. Pick. I will give you that Wheeler is an ace. You know Aaron who's not Lola's an ace? Not. Johnny, who's not an ace? Aaron. No, don't, don't, don't incriminate yourself. You oh, yeah. Can't do Aaron it. Nola. Don't bite Aaron the hand Nola. that feeds, man. Can't do it. Aaron Nola. Do it. It's a not, trap. Not an ace. I, 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 yeah. I feel like I'm being trapped. Trap. You are he had a quote trap. where he said, "If you, hey, I heard that a couple bad innings have been great. Yeah, that's what starting pitching is, man. You can't have those terrible innings. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no hey, point. without Aaron Nola, they don't make the World Series. So can you say that? Yes. Okay. All right. That. Good. I wasn't a bad boy. I wasn't a bad boy. You're right. You're right. It was a 2022 team. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if you are an alscoop.com subscriber, you will get uh, access to uh, my full conversation that I had with Tyler Matakavich. Again, his eighth season in the NFL. Talk to me about just coming back to Temple. He's one of several former players who came back to watch the game Saturday. Matt Ioannidis was there. Avery Ellis was there. Uh, quite a few former players were there. So this is a clip from that conversation again if you're an alscoop.com subscriber you can hear the full thing on the site but this is tyler talking about being back uh being able to play uh up in buffalo with deon dawkins and uh you know what his memories are of like being in the spring game and what you can reasonably take from the spring game 
What's it like being back today? I think, you know, when, <laughs> hate to say it, but when Rod Carrier was here, it just seemed like a lot of the former players felt like there was a disconnect between that staff and these guys. Doesn't seem to be that way with Stan Drayton's staff anymore. You've been back, a lot of guys have been back. What's it like to be back today? Yeah, it's awesome, you know. Unfortunately, I just haven't I haven't been back, and in a, in a, in it's been quite some time, you know what I mean? And, uh, you've, been, you've been busy. You know. <laughs> a little bit, you know, but I, I try to, I really wish I could get back as much, like, way more, you know, but uh, just seeing some of these old guys, you know, I'm just hanging out with Kenny Harper and and freaking Matt Ioannidis and like Myrick and and Ariel. It's like all these guys I played with that are still, you know what I mean, playing ball competitively and stuff. And it, it's just awesome being back here because you know this is where it all started. Uh, being here on 10th and Diamond, like people on the outside looking in, they don't understand how how tough and how special this place is. You know what I mean? Uh, 10th and Diamond, it's not built for everybody. It's got you. Got, it takes a special individual to come here. You know what I mean? And and stay here for four years. Like it, it's, it's tough, you know. So, and I mean, I'm I'm so blessed, and I wouldn't change I wouldn't change anything uh, with me coming here. I mean, I think I tell everybody like the best decision I ever made was coming to Temple University. When you've been through a spring game like this before, and you know that the the offense is watered down, the defense is watered down. The whole goal is like don't get hurt, give the fans a show. So, what is it like for players, and especially when I mean you started playing right away? Is this more of not an off day for starters, but more of like a take it easy? day for starters like what, what does a team get out of a spring game like this yeah uh, I mean shoot every time we, we always used to think you knew like once it was a spring game you knew the season was right around the corner you know so whenever the spring game came it was always always some excitement you're just getting jittery antsy getting ready for that season because you knew it was time to just crank it up but I mean this is awesome for the younger guys you know what I mean just to showcase their talent show everybody how they've been how they've improved in the off season and then shoot at the same time it's oh you you didn't like the way you played well now you can work on this you know what I mean so you, you get a lot out of the spring game being able to do what you're doing in the NFL with Dion not only you're playing well he's playing well and not only for him to play well but his personality showing through you knew how goofy and funny he was when he was here and now that he's on commercials and people can really see what he's like what's it like to experience that with him now in the NFL oh man I, I just always think about the young Dion the raw Dion coming in here at a, at a high school you know what I mean being so young and now I'm walking into sandwich shops and I, I see he's got like a, a big cutout cardboard of yeah. himself and I, I just can't help but laugh but but that's him that's his personality I mean he's been the same his personality from when he was here is yeah. the same like now in the league you know he hasn't changed a bit he's always got a smile on you could hear him from down the hall uh, I mean shoot I love Dion I mean I'm so proud of who he's become you know what I mean and, and everything he's doing I mean the amount of work he does off the field for the community and stuff I mean it truly is special it takes a special individual to do that and uh, I mean I'm just happy to be a part of it with him all right so in addition to that with, with subscriber content also have uh, my interview with Lynn Greer up on the site uh, shifting over to basketball here for a second Lynn Greer was back for uh, Adam Fisher's press conference we had a clip from that conversation in last week's pod so just some of the stuff that you get as now scoop.com subscriber uh, more often than not the stuff that's behind the paywall for subscribers it's usually one-on-one -on -one interviews, content that you can't get anywhere else. The last thing we will not do is repackage stuff from other podcasts and okay. aggregate stuff and uh, put it behind a paywall. That's a waste of everybody's time. So uh, we'll make sure that your subscription is worth it. So again, check out our football board. Some new names up there from the 2024 class. We want to save that uh, for our subscribers as well. Let's shift over to this Temple basketball team. Things are starting slowly but surely to take form. Uh, by the time, well, last week when we had recorded at this time, 
Uh, things were still sort of up in the air with Heisier Miller. Showed up at the at the spring football game on Saturday, and then he announced on Monday that he is coming back, returning to Temple. Had some interest in the portal from Fordham, Providence, Seton Hall, SMU. Uh, averaged 8.6 points, 3.8 assists, 3.1 rebounds per game. Uh, did see a bit of a drop off in his three point shooting, and leads. We all know he needs to learn how to finish better around the rim. But um, again, still a big deal for Adam Fisher to retain his his starting point guard there by this time next week. If we end up recording again on Thursday or Friday, I mean nothing's definite. I would, Kyle, you think by this time next week we'll know something on Zach Hicks? I would hope so. Um, I mean he's either currently at UTEP or is visiting UTEP this weekend. I think that's out there. And then he's kind of down to that final four that Javon's put out there. And at that point, he will have visited everybody. Like you visited mm-hmm. Georgetown, you visited Penn State, you visited Temple every day for the last two years, and you went down <laughs> to get some tacos at El Paso. So, like, mm-hmm. I would think – I'd say probably by next next week this is resolved one way or the other. Yeah. So, um, and again, we know by now that Damian Dunn has moved on to Houston – Caliph Battle is committed to Arkansas. Jamil Reynolds is committed to Cincinnati. And you all know by now that Nick Jordan is committed to Memphis. He committed to Memphis a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, we talked about this before, but Lens Creens to a point Kyle made that when you look at where these guys ended up out of the portal, the talent was there. You know, this was uh, the the transfer portal benefited from, from Temple's roster. And I think, again, I think if we were sitting here talking to Aaron McKee, Chris Clark, Jimmy Fennerty, Monte Ross, who got the the job at North Carolina A&T. The pieces were there, and for whatever reason, and we got a mailbag question about that last week, just didn't get things done. So now, uh, and again, we'll, we'll get to a lot of mailbag questions here um, that are mostly basketball-centric, but, I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of Temple players that were good in 2022-23 uh, leaving and starting to find their other destinations. But again, a lot of that is still... Uh, yet to be determined in terms of who Temple is going to add in the portal. And uh, we'll get to that here. Uh, a lot of questions, a lot of uh, portal-centric questions in the in the mailbag. Guys, this is your, uh, other than Caden, first uh, first Al Scoop mailbag here. Congratulations. Oh, it's exciting. This is, this is a crazy, you know, it's surreal. Kyle's Very just looking around. He's like, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Kyle's that's, going to deflate this. Oh, I was just saying, you said other than Caden, this is your first mailbag. So I, I've done probably about, I've probably done about 400. Yeah. <laughs> 400. Congrats, Kyle. Welcome to your first one. We Yay! have been here for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, uh, we'll, we'll close out the mailbag later on. Again, our, our friend Pat Egan from 97.5 The Fanatic texted me a mailbag question. We'll close things out with that one. Uh, first one here, again, these are the screen names of alscoop.com subscribers. The first one comes from Constitution Al. His question, any thoughts on the new Big Five format? I actually don't hate the idea, but do you think it is unfortunate that it seems that the days of annual games against either Villanova or St. Joe's are coming to an end? So, I mean, this will be fun to debate. Kyle, I'll start with you. I mean, like, as of now, from what I remember, right? Like, Temple and Nova are not in the same pod. Does it look like... Correct. We can't really presume. I mean, that's not going to be forever. If I had a gun to my right. head, like they're not going to keep the same pod forever, right? But, and we don't but this know this initial how... pod's about as bad as they can get. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do you basketball. think they're trying to set up? We shouldn't even be presuming this because who knows what Temple's going to look like, depending right. on what they do or don't do in the portal. But like, do you think they were trying to set up a Temple Nova championship game if they could, or are we overthinking that? No, I think a lot of it comes down to like you were kind of 
handcuffed to begin with, right? Like LaSalle and St. Joe's already play each other in the big, in the, let's say the big 10. That'd be a hell of a fit uh, in the a 10. So I think right. like those two automatically had to not play each other unless they get to like a championship. Nova and St. Joe's, you want to keep the Holy war going for a while. So like, that's basically like they have to be together. Does it work out that temple in odds are is probably the favorite to come out of that pod? Sure. But it is kind of a weird feeling to know that like best case scenario, you're going to play Nova and not play St. Joe's. Like there's a, there's a scenario where you never play Nova and St. Joe's again in the same season. Like mm-hmm. if the pods don't kind of reconfigure, like that's just strange. Um, I understand that like, it's not the best format. I also think the big five was on life support and like, it's not like they took this perfect situation that everyone was loving and they're like, well now let's mangle it. I think with schools getting more and more towards these 18 team, 18 game, 20 game conference schedules that they're saying, Hey, like we just don't have that. We can't waste half of our out of conference schedule every year on the big five. So it was either do this or say goodbye and listen to people dream of yesteryear for the remainder of our time doing this podcast. What Ramir, Declan, Johnny, Caden, you guys are. Do you guys as students give a crap about the that's exactly? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was gonna. That's exactly what I was gonna ask. <laughs> I do because you do hear and Kyle and I have talked about this a bunch of times, and I feel bad saying this, but sometimes you go to cover a Big Five game, whether it's here at Temple or at the Palestra, and certain media members just ask some of the same cliche questions, and they will ask them. It's a classic example of somebody trying to shoehorn a question in, and the Palestra will be half full and be like what was the vibe like in the building tonight? And they're just clinging on to something that was, but we know attendance hasn't been great. Yeah. But for you guys as college age students, yeah. What, what, what does the big five mean to you? Do you, are you guys in favor of this? Were you aware of the big five? What are your thoughts on this whole deal? I mean, I, I'm a, one of the bigger big five advocates here, I think in temple student media, I think it's, I, I don't, I, I think I've, I, when the reports first came out in January, I was a little upset not for the fact of like the idea of the pods, because I think I'm I'm with Kyle. The Big Five was on life support. You needed to do something to kind of rejuvenate and do something else because what you were doing wasn't working. But I do think the Palestra not being involved in, in the format at all, I think, is a mistake. I think you're getting rid of something that was very historical and something that was very integral to the Big Five. And just I understand like putting it at a neutral site and putting it at the Wells Fargo Center. Like I get it. But I think the palestra, so much has happened there, so many magical moments. And I think you're missing out on that and not going and being at the palestra, at least at the minimum for the championship game or like that championship, like what is it, the first Saturday in September, in December or whatever it is. Right. I think, I think that's, you're missing out on that. I would agree with that. I, 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 sorry, I get why it's happening because like Comcast Spectacore is, is a big part of this and they want it to be at like at the Wells Fargo Center. But no, I would agree with that. The fact that the palestra isn't in this is, strange do they have to how am i gonna pee in a trough okay yeah. that was the best part of the well, pleasure that, you go the and get this well like yeah ironically enough i mean like yeah i mean like you're talking about peeing in a trough but i think like this has come up before i don't know if it came up in the, the conversations with the big five stuff but one of the things that holds back in addition to like the the capacity like you know when the american was you know when people were saying okay where's the american conference tournament going to be at first it was up in hartford which they called the heartbeat do you remember we we, we sat down in a bar and they're like welcome to the heartbeat and we're like oh we didn't oh i remember everything about hartford connecticut john <laughs> <laughs> one of those truly magical cities yeah um <laughs> never <but> been spoken <laughs> one of the things that holds back the palestra sometimes is like people say like 
and I don't know if this is what eliminated them from this. Like the, you don't have much in the way of parking. It would be like, everybody's got to take, well, not everybody, but a lot of people would have to take public transportation. You don't have enough bathrooms, um, media availability space. I think that's some of the stuff that holds it back sometimes. Again, I wasn't involved in these conversations. I'm sure they're banking on or hoping for a ton of revenue, ton of fans, plenty of parking, plenty of seating. And that's the Palestra literally doesn't even have media uh, bathrooms, right? I feel like no, we always you have, have to go, go outside. Yeah. Wild. Like Don't there are times where like at halftime you you're sitting, if you're not in one of the media seats behind one of the benches, you're way up top, you come downstairs and then you're in line thinking you're going to pee yourself and you're hearing people talk about, I remember taking the L here when I was, you know, with my grandfather and <laughs> I just want to pee so I can get back and cover the second half. And you're hearing people like <laughs> talking about stuff, but yeah, there's no media bathrooms. I know these are like first world problems, but yeah, I think that's sometimes what holds the palestra back is like a lack of like amenities, I suppose. I think my thing with it is if they really want to make this a big deal, it's got to show at the marketing level because we talked about it last season with, you know, the the big five double header and how there were no students. Well, you didn't really hear about it, at least here on campus. Like we didn't really hear about it even happening. If I wasn't working in media, I might not have known that it was a big deal. And, you know, it was a double header that, you know, multiple teams were playing and it's at the Palestra and it's a big celebration. So I think that's got to change. And I know that there was a quote at least going around around that time where it was, oh, Temple doesn't make any money from a game at the Palestra. So why promote it? Well, then are we really going to make this tournament a big deal if it's not marketed like a big deal? Because a lot of the kids that are coming in don't know about the history and the tradition of the Big Five. So they need to make, I think it's a it's a start that there are three games on the same day in the same building, but it's got to be more than just three basketball games. It's got to be, which is probably part of the reason for the pods being that Temple and Villanova are separate. And then the idea of playing, uh, the idea being they'll play in the championship game. It's just, it's got to be marketed like a big deal. And Temple hasn't really shown me that they have that ability to do that just yet. But hopefully when we get into like late October, early November, we're going to start hearing more and more about it and more and more tickets will sell and that kind of thing. Yeah, Johnny talked about uh, the Palestra not wanting to because it wouldn't be a neutral site. You get to a Temple Villanova game at the Wells Fargo Center, it will also not be a neutral site. It will not be neutral site. There'll be more people there. That's true. Yeah. But Nova fans, hey, again, when your when your program wins a couple national championships, that helps. Let me ask you what's the oh sorry, not that I not I don't think anybody has the answers, but I want to ask, what's the revenue distribution of that? Because before with the old big five, it was okay, well, who, who's the home team? They're getting this, they're getting the gate. If everything's on a neutral site like that, is it being evenly split? I was gonna ask about that. And also I'm gonna sound like an old cynic when I say this, but what matters more with this? Yes, marketing can't hurt. But for you guys, again, we're, we're talking to a college student demographic here. How much does marketing matter and how much would it be like, oh, let's say Adam Fisher starts off five or six and oh, they start making a decent run through their through their non-conference schedule. There's some youth enthusiasm, new energy. Is it marketing or are students going to be like, hey, I'll get on the subway and go down there just because I'm interested in Temple basketball again. I mean, Temple had that opportunity. The Houston game was sold out here. They lost, of course, but obviously marketing efforts are key. But for you guys as college students, is it more like, does marketing matter more? Or is it just like, oh, the team's winning. This is the place to be. I got to go down there. 
I think winning solves all things. And we talked about the big five and the history of it. But since I've been a Temple student and since you guys been Temple students, the program hasn't been very good. They haven't made an NCAA tournament since 2019 when they lost in the play into Belmont. And everyone always talks about these classic battles at the Palestra of Penn and LaSalle and all these different schools. But since, you know, the last four or five years, a lot of these schools, you know, at least for our generation, haven't been very good. It's been ran by Villanova. And I think there's just not that interest. I remember being in a class once. I forget. It was one of my journalism classes. It might have been neighborhoods. And people, Javon was doing an article on the Palestra for the class. And our professor asked if who here knows what the Palestra is. And like one other person rose their hand besides me and Javon. And so I think it kind of just shows that that marketing of the Palestra and all that stuff doesn't really resonate with you know people our age because we don't really care about what happened in the 90s and the early 2000s. But I think if Temple starts to win and LaSalle starts to win and St. Joe's starts to win and all these teams are borderline NCAA tournament teams or at least NIT teams, I think there will be a lot more interest and there will be a lot more fans coming out because like you said, John, we saw what happened with the Houston game. Uh, you know, after they beat Houston the first time in a, at home at Leah Course, that thing was close to being sold out, or according, or might have been sold out at least to like ticket sales wise. Like, and then they lost, and then after the year, no one was interested. After that, like Wichita State, no one came out. Like, I think you have to win to get fans out. I think marketing could do a better job, like Declan said, but you can market the hell out of something. But if you don't have success, nobody's going to care at the end of the day. And I think that resonates with you know most schools, unless you're a Power Five, you know big. 10 basketball program that has so much history and your whole school is you know defined with sports, but I just don't think Temple is that type of university where it's like it's all about sports and I think you gotta start winning. Yeah. I completely agree with Caden. I think winning definitely does solve all problems. There's a reason why the week one game or the first game of the NFL season isn't Raiders Cardinals or something like that. It doesn't matter how you market it. No one wants to watch it. So if you have a bunch of okay to, you know, below average teams, I don't care how much you market it and show it in front of me. I'm not going to want to go because it might not be a good game. And it's it's most likely not going to be a good game because these teams aren't that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final closing thoughts here before we move on to the next mailbag question? I don't know. I think you can have a great team and not sell the team as well. Like Fisher talked a lot about in his his press conference and the his his media since then, how he wants to show his face, how he wants to like be out there and be available to the public. And yes, I agree that winning does solve a lot of things, but I also feel like you have to feel some involvement in a team to care about them, to see them win and then show up at every game after that. Like I think it it goes hand in hand. It starts with winning. But without good like representation of that team out in public, people aren't going to care as much about a, a, somebody they don't know who also is winning than some versus somebody that they have like they feel like they know a little bit more. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think I think winning raises the the floor, right? Because like when Temple was winning, going to six straight NCAA tournaments, like there were still plenty of games on like weekdays where you're like, there's six thousand people here. The problem is. Or sorry, yeah. The problem is that those bad days were six thousand, and now those bad days are eleven hundred people in the Leacorice Center, mm-hmm. and you're struggling. Like, why are we even doing this? So I think I would. I think if you all of a sudden just became a perennial winner, yes, you're going to get more people in the stands, but it's still not going to be like all of a sudden the Leacorice Center is sold out unless you market it appropriately. Yeah. Not to, not to harp too much on this. I saw something on Twitter that I actually thought was an interesting idea because now the Drexels in the Big Five and there's six people, six teams. Just do European soccer relegation. 
the last place team every year. They're just not in the big five for the next year. <laughs> you're Is that playing to get back into the big five? Though? No, it's just, no, because there's only one team out, right? Unless you're like, yeah, hey, guess what? Eastern, like come play or like your sinus come play. Like <laughs> you could do that. They play you Look, imagine you just get some upstart. <laughs> Jefferson. Some upstart donor gets Westchester into the big five. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually it's University of Delaware coming in every now and then. Oh, that'd be the battle for Route 202. Um, oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, Wilmington University. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's go. How far down 202 do you want to go? Uh, a couple of next couple questions here. There's similar questions. Again, these are alscoop.com subscribers. Joe Becca, a longtime subscriber. And one of our newer subscribers, Kaleem Goodman. So the questions here, aside from tweets from players saying they've heard from Temple, what are some of the players in the portal that you think have the highest mutual degree of interest? Again, and Kaleem's question, can you guys please name some portal players that you think Temple has a real shot at? Um, we have a couple of names on the on the basketball message board that we're going to leave for subscribers uh, that we don't want to give away here on the pod. A couple of names that have been out there that we could confirmed for you our, our Quante Berry is one he's a 6'4 175 pound guard from Providence who redshirted this past season had some some pretty decent recruiting interests along the way before ending up at Providence and uh that's one name to throw out there we got another name and it'll apply more to uh another question here a couple of questions in in the mailbag uh next question from Chi-Town Al can you clarify who who on the roster is definitely staying and how many scholarships are open. So who on the roster is definitely staying? I mean, again, unless unless things change, we got Jaleel White, uh, Emmanuel Ocpomo, Heiser Miller is back. Um, Deuce Roberts, we haven't heard anything about Deuce being in the portal, so I'm assuming he's staying. Uh, Tosh Thweet, uh Again, if he transferred anywhere, would would have to sit out because he's already uh, already transferred a couple of times. Um, I mentioned Jaleel, right? Or did I met? Yeah. Did, did I you say Shane Dazoni? Shane Dazoni. Um, and then uh, Zion Stanford is coming. Zion Stanford is is coming in from from West Catholic. Um, again, we'll see what happens. Like like we said earlier in the pod, we should probably know by this point next week. We would think, you know, what's going on was Zach Hicks. But yeah, that leaves how many scholarships open at this point? Currently, there are six open scholarships. Um, that's without Zach, so that could go back to five. I think it is important to note that you, technically they have till May 11th to enter the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, so in theory, if whatever, Deuce Roberts or Jaleel for whatever reason stops being one to be a part of it and isn't feeling it, like they could still leave, but we're not hearing anything imminent with that. Yeah. Um Next question here. Uh, the screen name is Berkshire Al. What is the latest on filling out the staff? Any word on possible additions? Nothing super concrete that we could give you. I, I, I think Kyle, hopefully not, not speaking out of turn here. I think I'd be mildly surprised if, if Adam Fisher didn't add somebody in a, in an off the bench role that has some sort of AAU ties in some way, shape or form. And that's something that maybe might take another few weeks or a month uh to develop yeah right? that that's not as pressing right because those guys can't go on the road like things like that so i think the immediate need was obviously filling out the bench rolls which mm-hmm. they've filled out even though they still haven't officially announced those i guess those are still might still be going mm-hmm. through hr um but yeah i think i would expect somebody from aau to be off the bench um which isn't as important as it was a decade ago because now you have nil you don't really need to worry about 
getting in good necessarily with everyone's AAU coach, but like these are still guys that are around these basketball players for four or five, six years that obviously have relationships with them and their families. So um, it would be a savvy move to add one or two AAU coaches to this bench. Yeah. Um, next question. Here's where we'll get back into the portal again. D blaze 75 is the screen name. We have no bigs currently other than Emmanuel Poma. Any names of potential players in the portal we may pursue who are bigs. Are we going to see Jaleel White or some other six, seven guy playing center? Well, we have Taj. Yeah, I mean, Taj like, is sort of. I'm like saying, like, in that scenario, like, I think they would add people for sure. But in that scenario where it's like, oh, we're going to have some six, seven guy playing center, I would think Taj should play in the paint before that. Speaking of six, seven guys in the portal, Miles Foster from Monmouth is another name that we've been able to confirm. We'll see how it turns out. But he's 6'7", 235, 240 out of Monmouth, averaged 12.5 points and 6.6 rebounds a game there. So, I mean, he's not in the seven foot range, but again, things are still, you know, as Kyle pointed out, like people, like fans might feel like it's not early in the portal cycle, but there's still, there's still time there. That's a name that we can confirm. It's not necessarily like a, a secret that's out there, but I, uh, I, I, I kind of want to harp on what you just said, like in agreement where I understand that people are like, for lack of a better phrase, frustrated. And they're like, Hey, why isn't this entire roster filled out? Why hasn't Adam Fisher paid dividends already? What's going on? There have been, two open recruiting days since Adam Fisher got this job, like two days, two and a half days, they were allowed to have recruits on campus. So like it is very early. The season is not for another seven months. If they if we're sitting here in two months and it's like, Hey, there's still five open scholarships, then you have time to worry right now. It's way, 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 way too early. Yeah. But I understand like it feels like it's been forever. Cause it's been six weeks since Aaron McKee got let go. And it's just been every day since then has been like, Grinding, grueling. Yep. Okay. Football mailbag question here. Do we want to go round robin on this? I say we go rapid fire. So the, the next screen name here is Hoots a lot. And again, we're going to get this this question here, there, and everywhere leading up to the football season. What's your way too early win loss assessment for the 2023 season? And do any observations from spring ball influence your assessment? Let's answer that part first. Again, context included. Ramir, great analogy. When you're looking at, at spring ball, it's kind of like the preseason. You're really not looking at the um, so much the wins and losses. You're looking at like who flashes. So did anything from what we heard, we should really say maybe heard from in spring ball because Trey and White game is one thing. Whether we're interpreting, you know, tone from coaches, things are saying. Anything that we heard about a reporter from spring ball, did any of that change your mind to where you'd think, hmm, this guy flashing or this guy who keeps coming up in conversation, maybe that buys him a win in the season. Anything that you guys have observed from spring ball where you say, huh, maybe they're a seven win team now than a six win team. Anything along those lines that kind of moved the needle for you? No, it's, it's spring ball is like, again, I'm going back to the preseason analogy. None of that will matter. Mm -hmm. Um, Summer matters more. And like, I guess training camp matters a lot more than spring ball. This is essentially rookie mini camp. Um, install. Yeah, install is – there is nothing that you could have took away from that that made you say, oh, yeah, they're going to win six games instead of five this mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I kind of agree with that where you kind of can't take away with the win total. I think the only thing you could take away from a spring ball is the the names that kept on getting brought up out of nowhere – Always thought it was interesting that Demeric Morris's name was brought up constantly, 
and you saw him, you know, I don't know what that meant inside of the building, but his name was on a wall of, you know, I thought it was interesting. A guy like that was brought up because you have no Darian Varner on the defensive line now. I think there's a little less experience up front, so he might be that guy to take a next step. And then just a few other guys, you know, I mentioned throughout the offseason with, you know, talking about E.J. Warner and how much strength he's gained and stuff like that. I think those things are, you know, important to watch out for individual growth. But as a team, I can't tell you if they're going to win five, six, seven, four games. Like, I don't think anyone knows right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you guys to some extent, but I do think um, it, it makes it more interesting with some of the transfer names that they brought in. I mean, Kamar Wilcox and Dewan uh, Black, Dante Wright on offense. I think they're players to watch out for. And then these are guys that talking to coaches and talking to some of these players in the media availabilities. And these are guys that have stepped into somewhat leadership role positions in their first year, first couple months here on campus. And I think the while their production may not have been outstanding at their other colleges, I, I do think that they can step in and make a big impact for Temple and fill in holes that they were missing last year and help maybe help add a couple more wins to their total. And I don't know if this guy moves the needle too much, but I really liked how Kyle Williams looked in that spring game. And I know you guys said it was, and Stan even said it too, it was about getting guys healthy. But he looked really explosive. He looked like he could play in the the run in the pass game, and it'll be nice to have him in the backfield next to EJ. I think uh, that's a guy that you know you should keep your eye on this season as well. Yeah, I mean historically we are a pro Kyle podcast, so I like that. Um, but I think I think the most important thing that comes out of spring football is it allows the coaching staff to determine like what do we need to target in the transfer portal yeah. before the fall. So like I don't think all of a sudden. Dwan Mathis, Mathis's name getting brought up a lot is going to prevent them from being like, sorry, I can't take this 1,200-yard receiver that's in the transfer portal. But it doesn't hurt with that room, with his name keeps coming up as, hey, he's made the transition. He's really taken this in stride. Like, he has the natural talent. Maybe that gives them a little bit of pause about, like, well, let's not just bring in a wide receiver just for depth. Like, let's maybe we do have more there than we thought we had. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I'll just echo what everybody else says of, like, spring football – does not move my needle one way or the other when it comes to um, outcomes for the season, unless it was something catastrophic, which it seems like they avoided. Like if you told me, Oh yeah, EJ Warner took a hit despite wearing a green Jersey. And now he's out for three months. Like that would give me pause. But since they avoided some tragedy like that, I'm still at my same just general feeling of this team's going to be competing for bowl eligibility, but I don't think they're all of a sudden like a nine or 10 win team. What are we thinking? Do we want to go rapid, rapid fire on win loss? I mean, like super quick on this. I'll start. Keep it to like under 10 seconds. Uh, Six and six. I think they, they're going to need to beat somebody that you don't expect them to beat to get six and six too. Whether that's Miami, Rutgers, UTSA, somebody like that. About to go six and six. Uh, they'll go five and seven. I think they'll fall just short and make it the bowl game. And we'll see some flashes, but not enough to get over the home. I'm pretty optimistic about this team. I think they're going to surprise some people. So I'm going to I'm going to say seven and five. I think they'll get a winning record this year. One more better win than Kyle suggested. In my brief scroll f- uh, about five minutes ago, I think six and six seems right. <laughs> you gut feeling. Yeah, five and seven. I think they just miss out on a bowl game. I'm gonna I'm I'm siding with one uh, Johnny Zwizlak here. I think they go seven and five. I think they beat a couple of teams that. Uh, I don't want to say they're not so much expected to be. We've talked a lot about how they they're they're bringing in some pretty good teams from Conference USA, but I think they have a chance of being seven and five. I think they're going to surprise some people. Last question here, last mailbag question to close out the pod this week. 
and again, is from our friend Pat Egan from 97.5 The Fanatic and the John Kincaid Show. Also has his own show on the weekends with Andrew Salchunas. Pat, again, his story is he went to Newman, but he's a huge, huge Temple fan. So uh, his question, um, he's not the only person to bring this up. Uh, a lot of former players like Lynn Greer have said they're going to be around a lot more. They did not feel welcome under the old regime. I found it strange that former players would say this after another former player was let go. Um, I, I put this on a message board in the interest of full disclosure. When, when I put up that Lynn Greer interview, it said uh, something like Lynn Greer excited for Temple's future. I'll be around a lot more. I realize that that lacked context. Um, no, Lynn and, and Aaron have never had any beef. Um, so I did not mean for that to be misleading. Lynn and Aaron have gotten along for a long time. I just think it's more like, at least for now, I think that a lot of former players either came back for that press conference or they watched it and they were saying like, wow, this guy has a lot of energy. That's not to say that Aaron was bad in his opening press conference. I think they presented it well. It was at McGonagall. It was this retro feel and all this stuff. But um, I think there, at least for now, there is some discernible energy. You have a guy in Adam Fisher who seems to be a little bit more forward-facing, energetic about like today's college basketball and doing what he needs to do when it comes to NIL and stuff like that. Um, you know, and saying, hey, to the former players, this will always be your program. Don't call me, don't text me, just stop by. For the time being, in in mid-April of 2023, I think that resonated with a lot of guys. So no, Pat, there I don't think there was really any beef with. Uh, the former players, I think, just like any group of alums, I think former players are going to start to say, hey, is this not working out? This was the year that, you know, we were supposed to go to the tournament. There might have been a little bit of dissent there. But no, I mean, Aaron is still very, very well regarded among former players. So there's no there's no beef there that I know of. And to Lynn, to Lynn's credit, there very easily could have been. I mean, yeah, he interviewed absolutely. for an assistant coaching job that he didn't get. Um, yeah. Ended up going to Chris Clark, who's still here, you know, three regimes later. Yeah. Um. So, like, yeah. To his credit, like, yeah, I wouldn't blame them if there was some animosity, but from everything you're hearing, there, there was not. Yeah. Um. And the second part of Pat's question, and in honor of Will Lev is putting mayo in his coffee. I literally, I didn't, I must have missed this. I didn't so realize gross. that's so, terrible. Yeah. That's things Pat that uh, some up. keto people do. Keto people do that. Whoa. Instead of putting like creamer in or whatever, like they'll do that. As, I think my wife tried it one time, and she was like, "Absolutely not!" Like, oh, what is this? I mean, mayo. I respect already... it. I do respect it. I've never mayo? had mayo, but I respect. It. You've never had mayo, period. I can't eat mayo. Yeah, he's allergic. It's a whole thing. To really... eggs or to mayo? To eggs, yeah. Okay. What will happen if you eat eggs? I mean, you're not missing that. Uh, I was in the hospital in May. Uh, you know, Ooh. just kind of swelled up. You know, couldn't breathe. It was a good time. Oh, that answers that. Last yeah. year it was last year it was Sam Cohn in his uh in his uh in his gluten his gluten intolerance. Hopefully you handle your limitations with more grace than Sam did. You know what? Being way. in the same like conversation just... as Sam Cohn alone is is just an honor. Don't so don't don't. <laughs> Kyle, <won't. laughs> okay, I'm not gonna please lie do to please you. do not put Sam on a pedestal. He <laughs> this will he... get this will get to Sam and Sam's gonna you know and Sam will take it in stride. Oh yeah, yeah he will. <laughs> yeah. Um. So again, in honor of Will Levis, again, the, the Kentucky quarterback who might be a top 10 draft pick, putting mayo in his coffee. And again, I still can't get over that. Coffee just kickstarts you enough. Can you imagine putting mayo in your coffee? Oh, well, I don't, think, I don't think the mayo is going to like kickstart you more. No, I mean kickstart your stomach. It's not like, definitely flavors. Oh, 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 you mean, wait, wait. Does yeah, mayo it's a natural diuretic. I mean, like you want to get to the toilet quick. Does it? Is it? Coffee? <laughs> 
No, mayo. You know, health tips right <laughs> for here. Me, yeah. For me, maybe. And am I sharing? I can't say I've ever. I can't say I've ever had like mayo on a sandwich and be like, you know what? I'm gonna blow up a toilet. Like I can't say that's ever happened. <laughs> Not necessarily. I, I, mean, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't put that in the same thing as like prunes or or coffee. Yeah. The more anyway. you know. Yeah. Yeah. What is so? So Pat's question, or second part, in honor of Will Levis putting mayo in his coffee. What is your that serial killer stuff habit for food? We all have one. So do you have a weird like? Why do you put that in your food, Kyle? I'll start with you. Well, I don't think I have that many weird things. The first thing that came to mind is I put mustard on fries, which my wife has told me is crazy. But that's why. But entirely, for, entirely for me. Look, I, I don't want to gain weight, so a lot of the things I try to do is like ketchup. In my mind, is just wasted calories, and mustard is zero calories, and I enjoy the taste of mustard. Like, why mm -hmm. wouldn't I do this? That's me trying to like healthify a non-healthy, uh, like thing. Though I'm like, how do I make yeah. fries less? What's bad for you? So I do mustard. I'll say mustard on fries. Declan, anything anything weird? Uh, Cereal killer habits, habits for food. My habits? I'm trying to think. I think the biggest thing that people don't like about me is I put Parmesan cheese on a lot of things that I probably should not. No, I was yeah. literally just going to say like, that. I'll put yeah. it in like soup and stuff like oh, that. Oh, John literally, literally was just going to say that. I've been teased in the past for putting... Well, that's more like an Italian thing. You'll put Parmesan cheese on top of on top of chicken noodle soup. Todd Zalecki would tease me for it, like Johnny. You got to let your soup breathe here. But no, Parmesan cheese on <laughs> soup. I, I I'm, I'm support that. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'll put it on like you know unnecessary like foods. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but pretty much anything how, I eat. But like, how Parmesan much are you putting on the soup? Oh, it's so it depends. Like pasta, I'll put like an exorbitant amount. Uh, well, you're supposed to amount. like people. People put it on pasta. That's fine. no, but like, I'm like uh, the too soup. much. To, like I'll I'll get yelled at. So like Parmesan cheese with a side of pasta. Pretty much, yeah. I love I love me some Parmesan cheese. I for whatever <laughs> reason, and I don't. I can't even like eat slices of cheese by themselves. But you put Parmesan oh, really? cheese on anything, and I'm down. Like hmm. oh, I have another thing. I I'll eat lunch meat just by itself out of the fridge, like pretty regularly. Once or twice a week, I'll be like, I'm just gonna eat turkey, like this entire serving of. I don't turkey. think that's that crazy. Yeah, turkey I don't think that's weird. Kind of crazy. I say uh, turkey's turkey. weird, John. No, I said I don't think that's weird at all. Oh, okay. No, I, oh, I said turkey either. is crazy. I like. I can't. You know, I don't. I don't like turkey. I just. This I is. Can't do it. This I is can't. like whenever it's the same thing when I talk to Javon. Whenever you're talking to like 22 year olds, they're just like they don't. It's just oh yeah, like well that's crazy because you're entirely going off like flavor base once you get to my age and everything is like is this going to give me gastritis is this going to have too much <laughs> calories is like there's other factors in the food than just taste you know I turkey che turkey checks a lot of the boxes i uh, i rescind my comment you know i, I respect <laughs> that john any um, weird any i think weird food habits uh for me i think it um i i'm a ketchup connoisseur and i know kyle mentioned that ketchup true. is a uh, wasted calories, but I put ketchup on a lot of things. And one of the things that I get uh, made fun of for is I put ketchup on my mashed potatoes. Eh, That's I've like heard a that fairly before. normal thing. I think I've heard. I don't think I've done yeah. it though. I've I I've, I, get, I get made fun of. Uh, my family makes fun of me a lot. You're not a ketchup on steak guy, are you? Uh, it depends on my mood. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I've I'm so I've started to get more into steak sauce though. I'm even. I, but even steak? that's not great for steak. Like the whole point of like a good steak is that it's not going to need the sauce. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will combat that because sauce was made for a reason. Okay. Yeah. To, to, to mask yes. shitty so steaks. If I have a good steak, I'm going to put a little more sauce on it. No. And then it's the even sauce better. was made for like, hey, we know you're eating this like bottom dollar steak that like you guys couldn't prepare right. 
dump a one sauce or Heinz 57 on it <laughs> and, and like just get through it. But no, like otherwise, I disagree. I think if you, you use sauce to enhance flavor, you know, you don't hide flavor mm. with sauce. I think yeah, no, you know, I, if I'm with a normal a steak, a normal sauce, I would agree. But I think with steak, the steak sauce hides the flavor. I just like I the, love steak sauce. Welcome to like the Declan Landis Culinary Academy. <laughs> just don't shit on your food and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I am not one to be teaching people how to, you know, eat food. But that's just my opinion. You know, that's, you know, that's at the end of the day, that was the question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you can only answer what I was asked. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I have any, like, food. I don't know if I really have. I Maybe I do and I just can't oh, think of anything. Serial killer food habit stuff i thought like the parmesan cheese was was one i don't put my grandfather used to put mustard on his cheesesteaks and we used to tease him for that i do love mustard i um yeah i don't know i don't i don't really know if i have anything this is one of those things again i'll, I'll think of something after the fact john you don't have anything else other than uh, the, the ketchup on mash, i do on mash but tails? the ketchup is a good one yeah, That's but I know my cousin puts ranch on her pizza. No, a lot of people like that. A lot of people do that. I mean, that's like the whole – that's like a big portion of, like, buffalo chicken pizza Yes, yeah. is ranch. I don't know. It just doesn't – like, the I don't do it with, like, normal pizza. On, like, a plain pizza. No. I, no, a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. I, I don't, but a lot of people do. I put milk on oatmeal, which my wife tells me is weird. No, that's make, delicious. Yeah, that's I make, you make the oatmeal and you want to cool it down a little bit, put some milk in there. You, yeah, good to you go. You can make it with milk. Like that just yeah, makes I don't think I do it milk. regularly and then I kind of just like pour the milk on top of it and then mix that's it bad. in. Yeah. Kyle watched me eat a buffalo chicken sandwich and fries and drink a beer before we got on the plane to go to the Temple, to Temple Houston 2015 American Athletic Conference Championship game. What a day. Not that any that was abnormal, but I looked like a serial killer when I was running to the back of the plane to, to rush to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so you have plenty like non-food related serial killer moments, but the food, nothing's sticking out. Yeah. You have you have yeah. there's some habits of Johnny. Of yeah. John, I can't say Johnny now. There's That's some true. habits That's of John. Yeah, which one are we talking about? Yeah, Kyle told me he's like, all you've done is, is uh wake uh, awoken or awaken a sleeping giant. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the quote from World War II. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I like to say that my stomach held up fine. If anything, yeah. it was stronger for that flight. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm eating biscuits, you. and you're just favorite Kelly Clarkson song. Stronger? Yeah, what does make you stronger? It stronger. It's a great, yeah. great song. I think "Behind These Hazel Eyes" is probably probably mine. That's a good one too. And Run uh, away. No, break away. Break away is good. Break away. She's yeah. got some bangers. Yeah, she's got some bops. She doesn't get oh, enough absolutely. credit. Ramir and Caden had to run out. As we bring this to a close, Kyle, how these guys do? How these guys do in the first episode? One to look, ten. You don't want to inflate anybody too high. I mean, look, there's there's plenty of podcasts, including this one, probably that you know you and I, John, don't bring our ten game. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we're doing sixes, seven eights, but uh, I'd say solid. I mean, we there's been some low low bars in the last in the last <laughs> ten years, and you guys you guys were not the low bar, so that's all you can do. That's oh, all we can ask for. Yeah, I think that that's probably the nicest thing anybody said to me let's just reel off some bad people um (laughs) jamie gray matt bender jamie's a sweetheart (laughs) he actually is out tonight matt Matt all the sams (laughs) all this kyle's just kyle's just putting these people on a shooting gallery matt would just matt would laugh so much the, Matt, my, Matt gave me the freedom to just take over the show, so I actually appreciate it. Matt, hearing Matt's <laughs> laughter in the background when you went on your Jim Beheim rant was 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 enjoyable to me. 
Jamie oh, Gray. We need to talk about that because I've got some negative feelings toward Jim Beheim, but not today. Because I know he got his comeuppance eventually, yes. eight years yeah. later. Yeah. Um, Jamie Gray, who was our our uh, dedicated intern and engineer of the podcast, didn't Jamie tell that story about how he sprained his ankle and some guy in an Uber prayed over his sprained ankle or something like that? <laughs> yeah, he sprained yes. his ankle trying to jump down the entire flight of stairs to catch a subway. Yeah, didn't catch the subway. Had the Uber to wherever he was going, and the Uber driver pulled over and put like voodoo on his on his uh, yeah. ankle. Jamie's like a seasoned marathon runner, has like 08 percent body fat now. So you know, good for Jamie. Yeah. Anyway, well, good job, guys. That's also the point. You don't lose the good years. Thank you so much. Just eat whatever you want. <laughs> <a pleasure. laughs> this was awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another another episode. And again, thank you. Uh, to our sponsor of the scoop greenspan and greenspan injury lawyers uh we'll be back with you guys next week probably have more portal developments more recruiting developments more football recruiting developments again we'll have some more football recruiting news for you check out some of johnny's content that will be up on the site soon thanks for joining us we'll talk to you soon